Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show. The show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. Williams, it's hard to believe that less than seven days ago we were the most important debate in America was how much the Eagles respected the game of football. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it still was the most important debate. (laughs) (laughs) The ethics of uh, gamesmanship in the National Football League was the only thing any of us could talk about. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. It has been a crazy week, but uh, I think like everybody else in the country right now, just trying to figure it out and uh, stay cool. Yeah, for for anyone wondering why this pod is dropping on Friday, let's just give a rundown of the non-NFC East things. Actually, let's start with the NFC East a bit, because we were arguing for about two days straight about the Eagles tanking on text messages, wondering how we were going to make this not an all-out verbal yeah. uh, tirade we were recording for everyone. And then... Sure. And then the Trump insurrection happens on Wednesday. <laughs> we just kept texting each other. Maybe tomorrow is better until now. <laughs> yeah, until the last possible moment. <laughs> on the eve of wildcard weekend, we were recording this pod. Um, uh, before we jump in and talk about uh, the two NFC showdowns and start talking playoffs, um, I think I just want to lay out for our listeners how the postseason are going to work now that we're kind of out of the the daily or weekly grind of watching NFC East football. Um, so I think we're committed to doing game reviews and previews for as long as an NFC East team is in the playoffs. So that would be the Washington football team. Um, at some point when, so I guess like there'll be one episode um, reviewing the Washington football team game and then previewing the next one until the last game they play. And then another episode that we'll be doing like a season review, a reflections pod at some point. Um, And then once that happens, uh, we'll consider the season over. We'll probably do sporadic off season pods as news breaks and we feel like it. uh, And we'll take things from there. Uh, But let's just jump right into this past week first was the one o'clock game uh aikman and buck calling a 1 p.m cowboys giants game the winner of this game did not immediately earn playoff qualification but if the washington football team lost at the sunday night game the winner would go we were really concerned and nervous that the cowboys would put themselves in pole position for a uh backdoor uh, playoff appearance, but your Giants ensured our Cowboys crossoff. It, it was a big, it was a big win for the Pod and a big win for the Giants. How did you feel about that game? Um, I felt good. I, it, throughout it, I felt like the Giants were the better team, um, despite some bizarre turnovers between Daniel Jones and Wayne Gallman kind of miscommunicating on a handoff that went for uh, a fumble in Giants territory. And then 
I mean, patented Evan Ingram volleyball set straight up in the air for an interception that really changed the whole momentum of the game around and, and kind of gave the Cowboys new life. Um, I, if, if the Giants had lost that one, I do think we'd have to consider Evan Ingram as an enemy of the pod just based on the sheer <laughs> way it played out was, was uh, just, it's just what we've been talking about all year. And then for it to happen in that moment um, in that situation was, was shocking. Pro Bowl, think- Pro Bowl tight end. I, I <laughs> Pro Bowl tight end Evan Ingram. I think you'd have to do a lot more to me to become yeah. an enemy of the pod. <laughs> we already know he's an enemy to the. He's he's uh, he's he's destroying the Giants from the inside right now. He's definitely a uh, like an inside man in that organization. But I don't think he's offended me or the ethics of this podcast enough to be in the enemy of the pod territory. Um. I do want to talk about just the back and forth nature of this game at times. It did kind of function like a microcosm of both of these teams seasons, all kind of culminating in the brilliant crescendo of the last two minutes. Dalton throws a pick. I text you being like, thank God your giants did what my Eagles could not do. Ensuring a Cowboys playoff elimination. Uh, I get to coast into the Sunday night game, not overly concerned about the Cowboys making the playoffs. This is great. I, I, I step away. I go to the bathroom. I come back and Wayne Gallman is potentially fumbling the Cowboys back into the game. And it's just that (laughs) those two turnovers back and forth, the drama of it all, it was terrible to watch, but it created such great tension and, uh, and humor and uh, drama to it all. It was just peak NFC East. It was, it was great. It was a great time. <laughs> I think especially because like the way Gallman fumbled and then tried to recover it, like he was in basically the open field uh, and he, he could have just gone down. Like he had secured a first down and then the Giants could run off the clock, but he kept running. And as he was tackled, he fumbled the ball and tried to like sit on it like a chicken would an egg, like just like perch over it. Um, somehow, somehow he ended up coming up with it. Uh, I think replay showed pretty conclusively, but it was just such a bizarre, like it was a bit like, it was a bit like Bigfoot though. Like the, that conclusiveness, like if it didn't, if that one random angle that didn't yeah. clearly show. <laughs> that's, 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 that's absolutely right. There was, I, I, there, I was like, because he sat on the football, you figured there's no way he was the one that recovered it. Because, like, how could you go from that to, like, getting the leverage to rest it away from somebody else in the bottom of a pile? But there was that one angle where, like, he clearly had it secured and you had no idea how it got that way or how he managed to pull it <laughs> off. Um, everything in between was obfuscated, but it, it was it was kind of a classic sloppy NFC East mess of a game and and perfectly articulates what what this season has been for the division yeah uh we'll talk a bit about you know in the reflections pod about what this means for the giants moving forward um but just a few words i want to offer up now is i do think that this is this is a good win for this giants team to close out the season on even though it ultimately did not result in a playoff appearance i think they needed it 
and and ultimately the way it shook out in the standings i uh i'm happy that my giants are the team to make the playoffs pick while being wrong was still only one place away from being right so (laughs) (laughs) really this isn't even a minor victory this is more like a minor defeat that you're just yeah well well, yeah but it could have been a major defeat you know (laughs) right right. i I rested a minor defeat from the jaws of major defeat We'll brag about the time. Well, also okay. one half of us was right. You were on the you were on the Washington side of things, and you know, depending on how my Eagles treat the <laughs> the Sunday night game, <laughs> uh, maybe it was like a flip of a coin. One of us is going to be right, you know. Yeah, I, I do think <laughs> that we had these teams pinned like early in the year. Uh, the Giants' defense had you know, showed up again. Had that weird bend don't break thing where like they don't look that good in the game itself. And then the final score is always pretty reasonable. And you're like, okay, they, you know, they showed up. Um, Giants offense, Daniel Jones, clearly still not healthy uh, to me, just not, not mobile and not willing to tuck the ball and run when he could have. Uh, and the Cowboys, they revert. They're such a streaky team, man. I mean, they didn't even look like they wanted it half the game. Yeah. Uh, their defense was chirping a lot. But their offense was totally uninvolved. I think Dalton had problems with the kind of rainy, windy weather. But just, I, I still, we've been watching them this whole year, and I still don't understand the Cowboys. I It was, I feel like I understand the Cowboys. This is a pretty classic Week 17 game for them. You know, doesn't matter how good or bad they are, they can't close out a season, you know. Uh, it. Par for the course. I know that on the balance of things entering this week, we both picked them. Um, I thought the Giants were just playing so poorly. It wouldn't matter if the Cowboys didn't show up. You know, it would probably just be an ugly win for them. Uh, but the the Giants just showed up much, I think, much better prepared and much more ready to play, you know, and acted like the team that wanted to be in the playoffs, you know? And yeah. I know it's very sports radio takey and doesn't really get into any X's and O's, but I, I ultimately think that's what it came down to. And uh, it was a good win for this Giants team. I agree. Uh, which set up this 23 to 19 Giants Cowboys 1 p.m. game set up the prime time Washington football team Eagles showdown. Washington wins a 20 to 14 uh, slugfest, absolute competitive barn burner <laughs> of a game. No team was trying Everybody to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we said this two weeks ago that it was a crime that this game was flexed into prime time. And I think we saw exactly why. We're going to get into a conversation about the ethics of what the Eagles were doing and how unfair it may have been, but this game was never going to be good, even if the Eagles were trying to win the entire time, you know? Uh, Washington just took care of business. The defense showed up again. They are who we thought they were. I, I think the general feeling we've kind of resolved in this two horse Washington giants race is that 
the Washington while the G, G the G men have a uh a you know maybe a spunkier offense at times and have like a very you know effortful defense this Washington defense is probably the only elite unit in the division and they showed up again and they got a win even with Alex Smith clearly still laboring a bit and really tried hard to get to that 20 point plateau um what what was your takeaway before getting into the uh the on the Washington side let's say and then we'll talk a bit about the Eagles yeah yeah I think Washington played pretty poorly uh offensively for most of the game just because it was clear Alex Smith just didn't have it and he the, the key all year long for the Washington offense has been what kind of play they can get out of their quarterback. Cause otherwise they're pretty reliable. You know, they have McLaurin and he's capable of some stuff, but he's also generally double covered and their run game is serviceable, but not, you know, explosive really. Um, and it was just clear Smith, not comfortable back there. Couldn't he, he's been a little tentative all year long and who can blame him, but he's definitely not, he's not totally right. And we'll see, We'll see what Rivera decides to do with him in this playoff game, but I think that was uh, what 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 kept this game close. Really, was Washington's inability to do anything on offense, and of course, as always, Washington's defense did exactly what they always do, which you know, pressure the quarterback and make it difficult to uh, to move the ball consistently. They're very disciplined; they don't really commit a lot of penalties or anything like that. So. Um, just uh, from 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 the Washington perspective, this was a standard Washington uh, affair all the way down to our patented 20 point production, which like we kind of spoke into existence when we first started talking about this. I felt like it maybe it happened like two or three times in a row. And now it's like, oh, literally every week they score. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is really true. And it, th- every game that they've scored at least 20 points in since week, I think 10, they've won. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, the only two games they've lost down the stretch were uh, Seattle and Carolina the past two weeks, the Dwayne Haskins enemy of the pods game where they can only muster 15 to 13, but now yeah. they're back. They're back in 20 point land. Right. They're getting those one score wins. It's beautiful to see for the Washington football team. Uh, yeah, I mean, much the same at times I was almost like, does Washington even want to win this game? Because the Eagles were clearly not playing to, uh, they were valuing talent evaluation over (laughs) putting their players in a position to succeed consistently. Yeah. I I do think the Eagles defense showed up. I think the Eagles defense well, that's what I was going to say. I don't think I don't think that the Eagles' defense necessarily was uh, was not effortful. I think that, but they were still rotating some guys in that wouldn't typically get that amount of high sure. snap usage. And just the mere fact that Fletcher Cox was inactive, you know, it's not like I'm not I'm not expecting Washington to you know you know drop forty on the Eagles, right? But Alex Smith throwing two picks like that says more about Washington offense at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. that was, that was really what my thing about it was, was it's not like, it's not like the Eagles defense was rolling over, 
but they were not full strength. Clearly the, the, the game plan entering it was, I think on both sides of the ball to keep it simple. And, you know, even if it's through inactives or just odd rotations, getting some guys that have not played a lot this year, some reps in a meaningless game. And it was still only a 20 point game with some turnovers, which I think is concerning for this, uh, this Washington offense, especially entering the playoffs, but the defense, I mean, we said it all season, uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, they're beasts, and I'm excited to see it and see them in the playoffs. To be honest, I am too. I think I think uh, I'm sure we'll get to the preview aspect of this, so I don't want to give away too much. But I I think it's going to be a very fun matchup. Yeah, so I think it's going to be more fun than like it's hard for me to say this because I know that the NFL is going to try to do their best to frame every matchup. Like it's a high drama affair, but I think a lot of conventional wisdom will say that this is a, like a Buccaneers, uh, sure win. And I'm not entirely, I'm legitimately not entirely sold on that, but we will, we will get into the preview. Let's talk a bit about Tankathon and my Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Got me feeling like Herm Edwards over here. <laughs> We clearly a lot of emotions were uh, were boiling throughout the day on Sunday, especially when uh, the Giants opened the back door for themselves to get into the playoffs. And uh, the Eagles, the big move was pulling starting quarterback Jalen Hurts for the second string in this game, but the third string throughout the season, Nate Sudfeld uh, late in the third quarter, while the Eagles were still within one score of taking a lead in a game that it seemed like they were playing relatively aggressively up until that point to at least be competitive in. Um, it caused an entire meltdown on Twitter and throughout the league, throughout the day Sunday and Monday, multiple Giants players, uh, hopping online to give their two cents about how they felt uh, um, shortchanged. Joe Judge in his press conference calling into question Doug Peterson's integrity and respect of the game, not mentioning by name, but still inferring that the Eagles did not. Um, Sal Palantonio calling for a, uh, a league investigation into <laughs> into the Eagles and their tactics in that game. I know you have some strong feelings about this, Sean. Do you want to do you want to kick things off, and I will give my two cents? <laughs> sure. I mean, first things first. Let's let's clear a couple things out of the way here. Uh, I am a Giants fan, and therefore I was salty that the Giants couldn't just walk in with a six and ten record like I wanted them to. <laughs> It'd be great meme material. It didn't happen. And second, the Giants, we can acknowledge, had no right and could not expect or deserve to be handed the division at 6-10. and 10. I mean, that's just on you. Any players who are complaining about that, that, that's on you. I mean, even Joe Judge, like, in his press conference, he did kind of subtweet Doug Peterson, but he also said, like, we were 6-10. and 10. Like, what are you going to get mad about, really? Um, and I wasn't mad until... Sudfeld came out. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, pretty, I was pretty resigned to my fate. Cause like the Eagles, you know, they rested a lot of guys 
And I think that's okay. Like it felt like there was a difference between resting guys and playing the guys who want to play or are healthy enough to play and giving yourself like a legit shot at winning and the Sudfeld stuff and the plays that they called for him just felt like so obviously like, Oh, they're throwing this game that, that that's what I think people responded to is just like how transparently like "Mm, we want the six pick. It was. Yeah. Um, I still maintain a, uh, this might be warped, uh, Peterson brain watching this team and listening to this man's press conference and, and understanding who these players are to this team. But to me, I still don't read it as a blatant tank job. I, I read it as a, uh, uh, you know what, if we lose great, <laughs> I don't think necessarily that like, I guess what I take exception to still in what you're saying, and this can open up a, a, uh, a, a bandaid that may have been starting to form this week between us on Wednesday or Tuesday in this debate was uh, I, I still take exception to the play calls being obvious tank jobs. I, 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 I have a feeling what you're referring to is the, the 70 yard interception thrown into double coverage. <laughs> uh to me, that's just Nate Sudfeld. Like it, I've seen this guy in preseason and uh, come in during in the in the Super Bowl year, come in during the second half of the meaningless Cowboys game to spell Nick Foles a bit before the playoffs. Nate Sudfeld is a quarterback; he can only throw fifty-yard bombs. Like that's the only thing he's good at, which is an insane quality to possess. But it, it's I, I don't know if it's just like game experience or what, but he has like no experience like taking the easy throws, anything like that, which you can argue, I guess, like is, you, you know that quarterback's weaknesses. So if you're throwing him out there in the fourth quarter in that situation against a hot Montez Sweat and Chase Young, that's a losing position for him to be in, you know? Yeah. But I still think that they they wanted to give him reps He's been on the team. He's probably not going to be on the team this next year. They also wanted to throw Jalen Hurts out there, see him more. I I think it was like a preseason game that everyone had. I think the Eagles treated this like a preseason game that everyone else had much higher expectations for externally than they had internally. And the one, sorry. Yeah. uh, The one thing I was going to say is like where I would lose it and get mad at the situation myself is if that wasn't communicated to the players and it caused a disrespect to the players that that that's how that game was going to be treated, which it seemed like in some reports was the case that Doug Peterson kind of botched how the approach to the game was going to be handled internally, which if that's the case, that's unforgivable to me. Right. But if it is truly like we're treating this game, like a, like a competitive preseason game, it's meaningless to us. We're, we're a better team. We, we can stand to gain from getting a win from our backups in a meaningless game and get the ninth pick as much as we can stand to gain advancing to the sixth pick. So we're just going to run it out there, treat it like such. We'll take whatever result it hap- like happens to come. And that's how I read it personally. And I think it was the magnifying glass put on it by the one o'clock game, 
by the league and flexing it to prime time that caused the debate more so than how the Eagles carried themselves. I mean, it definitely should not have been put on prime time. Yeah. As, 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 as we already kind of predicted, that was an insane thing to do. Nobody who actually watched this division should do that. Um, and I do think that Peterson treated it like a preseason game. I don't know if all the players did. Um, and I, that's, that, that's kind of the vibe I've, I felt in the game as well was like through three quarters, it was kind of like, Oh, they're playing to win. Like the guys out there are playing to win. And then suddenly it became very clear of like, but Peterson is to me, Peterson is not playing to win. And it, and it felt like a, it's just, you don't see that often in regular season football, like just because of the amount of commitment it takes to like play the game at all. Right. Like yeah. even in a quote unquote meaningless game, like you still have to hit people and get hit and like watch film all week. Like it's not like a zero sum situation. And I think that's why a lot of people hate preseason. Right. Is it's kind of it feels like guys are getting hurt for no reason or it, it's just like pop and circumstance over something that ultimately can't you can't coast on. Um, and again, I think that's why people were including me, I'll, I won't make this an abstraction. Why I was upset was just like, you got to regular season football, you play to win. I don't even mind who you put out yeah. there necessarily, but like, you know, play, play to win it for the guys who are for like the Alex Singleton type guy who had 14 tackles. Like I I'm only guessing here. I truly have no idea, but my guess would be if you asked Alex Singleton, he wanted to win that game badly. He would have said yes. Yeah. And I, I completely understand the and agree with the vein of thought that if Peterson is messaging to these guys throughout the week, like we're going to keep Washington out of the playoffs. That is our only mission this week. We're treating it like a, a must win game for us, even though the playoffs are out of reach, you know, and then decided just to say, we want to get Sudfeld in to get some reps while it's a three point game. I completely understand how that is a, 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 a soft move, a, you know, a move that feels like Roseman won some sort of internal fight that Peterson didn't believe in uh, sort of thing, like just in the sake of draft position. And if he didn't communicate it to the players, that that is a huge disrespect and a huge breach of trust. And I, that would make me very concerned as a fan for how both coaching and the front office treats their relationship with the players as leaders i do have one hypothetical question for you that i honestly don't know the answer to but would the perception of this had changed if there had been fans like a full stadium in the seats that's a great question um i don't know i honestly don't know because i think that my perception of how the fan base feels this season is warped by just seeing a small segment of them on Twitter and Reddit, right? Like the Twitter, the Twitter and Reddit crowd, especially the people that overlap with, you know, process Sixers dumb and stuff like that, like truly did not give a flying crap about the outcome and frankly would have probably preferred to lose. Right. So if that started happening in real time, like I could see small segments of the fan base, like cheering Sudfeld coming in. Right. Um, but if there's like 
a sizable portion of like the more conservative, like I paid good money for these seats. Um, it was a competitive game up to this point. Why are you bringing Sudfeld in type crowd? Like I could also see booze raining down on Lincoln financial field, you know? So it's, it's hard for me to answer that question. I can see either if I had to bet based on my dichotomy there, I'd imagine more of the latter would actually be in the stadium for it. So while Twitter may have been taking a victory lap, um, there could have been groans and booze coming from around the stadium, you know, Uh, but who knows, you know? I mean, it's also, it's not a totally fair question because as we both know, it's much easier for Philly fans to boo than to cheer. So exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Given two impulses, they will always boo. Yeah. Um, they yeah, would. I, I mean, honestly, they might have been happy with Sudfeld coming in, but they could have booed him not coming in sooner. And the fact that, <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they were trying for like two, two or three quarters. It is an interesting hypothetical to throw out there because it it does ultimately boil down to perception and framing and and storytelling to a certain extent, right? Like a yeah. move like this works if the team is aligned with the coach, and uh, maybe the the microscope on the game itself and the meaning to other fan bases and stuff isn't there, but this sort of coalesced in like a perfect storm of it was the only game on prime time. A rival had a chance to back into the playoffs while it was happening. And everyone was just on Twitter throughout it, not at the stadium enough to debate about it, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it it blew up. (laughs) And I think, yeah. And I, I, I do think we, uh, again, I just can't emphasize enough how bad of a decision it was to put this on Sunday night. Like, if this game happens at the simultaneous to the Giants-Cowboys game, I still think the people watching the game who are neutral observers would be like, yo, this is kind of weird <laughs> what Peterson is doing. Like, I just yeah. don't think, I don't think it's that often that you see a guy, a coach, like, make moves like that, uh, at least as, like, when Peterson did it in what felt otherwise like, you know, a competitive game. But I don't think people would, like, be outraged about it. Um, or people just would care less, you know. But but setting the stage for it was just, like, I think a boneheaded boneheaded decision by the NFL. you gotta, yep. you got to know these teams better than that. Come on. And, and, and there was no way that something like this wouldn't have happened once the NFL made that decision. Like, maybe not to that extent, but this is never going to be a, a great game to showcase, you know? Uh, especially given how the season has gone. But hey, if it was happening at the same time, maybe that Wayne Gallman fumble doesn't happen because the Giants and Cowboys both know their game is relatively meaningless by that time of the game. So, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, let's uh, let's jump in to uh to washington bucks the the maybe the one nfc east playoff game we get this season uh we got tom brady and i would say the underperforming tampa bay buccaneers going going to fedex field to take on the division champs at seven and nine uh i guess i'll start out um i think this game is going to be defined by washington's defense and their ability to either uh, confuse and confound Tom Brady um, or Tom Brady's ability to show up in the playoffs and, and show us the, you know, 
the first ballot hall of famer he is even at this age. Um, I think Washington's offense has the ability to hang up their dutiful 20 points in this game. But if the defense can't keep Brady and that offense contained, it won't matter. But I do think there's a chance that they do it. Uh, what What do you think in this game? Yeah, I do. I think one thing we've seen Tom Brady struggle with is NFC East 4-3 defenses with, with a heavy pass rush, right? Yep. Um, if you can put natural non-blitzing pressure on Brady, he can struggle. Like, I don't think you can really blitz Brady all that effectively. He's just too smart and and has seen way too much football. Like, you're not going to be able to trick him. But if you can set guys back in coverage, you don't need to spy him or anything, which will be novel for Washington. I feel like they've played a lot of scrambling quarterbacks recently. But they can just kind of uh, just let Montez Sweat and Chase Young and Jonathan Allen or whoever get push up front sit on their defense and try to force Brady into sacks and into, uh, into mistakes because it is possible. Yeah, for sure. I, I was never impressed with this Buccaneers team throughout the season. I know they're sitting at 11 and five. I know that they have Tom Brady. I know that they have weapons even dating back to before Tom Brady coming to that team, but you would think putting, those pieces together would mean a, a 13 and three walk in to the playoffs, but they, they wound up second in their division. And there was a point in the bye week there where there are real questions, whether uh, they may even make it as a wild card team. And I think that the, I think Brady has shown his age at points this year. Um, I think if that, I think if that D line gets going, there could be a lot of problems for this Buccaneers team. Um yep. It's the playoffs. I I I can't afford to be bold. I I'm still gonna pick the Buccaneers to win this game, but I think it's like a twenty-seven to twenty game that maybe doesn't have a decisive direction breaking one way or the other until the fourth quarter. Okay, I'm uh I'm gonna take Washington. Ooh, say, yeah, twenty-three twenty-one Washington. Uh. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine how Washington scores points on um, on the Bucks defense, which is pretty good. I, hopefully, another week means Alex Smith is more healed, or maybe they go to a the Heineken himself. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what it looks like, but honestly, I think that has, in its own way, there's really no tape on Heineke. That brings its own questions for like if that's something that Washington can use kind of to their advantage great like to me that's not necessarily a downside um and i just see washington's deep i don't think people realize how tough this defense is like they are really really good they're gonna bat balls down at the line of scrimmage they're gonna pop things up in the air and <coughs> excuse me make make interceptable type plays they're gonna get sacks like they're scary man they're smart yeah. um, and i think people might be there's an off chance that people are surprised by, by how they show up. Yeah. So yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think we're seeing this game in <coughs> the same way. I, I think this game ultimately it's a one score game, either direction. It's just a matter of, of where the ball falls to me at points yeah. in the game. Right. I guess I'm coming in with a little bit more faith 
I hate to say this as someone who does not respect Tom Brady and knows that he's a system quarterback, but I, I do <laughs> put, I do put more faith at least in the first round in Brady gutting out a win than I do a a freshman Washington team having the same, you know, guile. I guess you could say, you yeah, know? yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, but this is probably a good dovetail into what I want to close the pod with this week. But I do think that it's a, it's an omen in my opinion for how the bucks fare and in, in the remainder of the playoffs, because I'm not very high on them um, after this game. And I think they're in a certain way, lucky to get probably the weakest offensive team in the, in the tournament, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, we want to do something a little bit different this week. It's the playoffs. Herm Edwards, baby. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. Um, instead of doing a take around the league, I think we want to do some playoff chat. Um, I think let's let's give a let's give two predictions. One uh, one's for the wild card weekend. Let's do instead of running through each game and picking a winner, let's do like upset picks on both the NFC and AFC side, and then we'll follow it up with who we think is going to match up in the Super Bowl. Um since we're an NFC East pod, let's start with the AFC and close with the NFC. Um do you want to actually do it by conference? So like upset pick week one and then AFC Super Bowl pick. Yeah. And then we'll go to the NFC. And then maybe yeah. we'll pick a winner for the Super Bowl if we want at the end. Sounds good. Yeah. So I mean starting on the AFC side, we got the Chiefs, Chiefs run a buy this week. First round or first seed gets a buy this year, but the second seed does not. Um, the three games we're getting is second seed Bills against seventh seed Colts, third seed Steelers, sixth seed Browns, and the fourth seed Titans against fifth seed Ravens. Um, out of those three matchups we're getting, uh, who do you have on the upset alert? Uh, I got to stick to my brand here. I'm going to be making bold picks all week. This, the Pittsburgh Steelers tried their best to sabotage the Cleveland Browns. You're still going to go with the Browns. I'm still going to take the Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is so on brand, and I really have to respect you for it. Yeah, oh, man. This is me trying to repudiate my, my coward label after I refused to cross the Eagles off while still saying Washington would win. Uh, the game, <laughs> um, which uh, clearly I've not let go of yet. Um, I, I, you know what? You're right. I I should give you more crap for that, and I'm going to give myself more props for that. I took my favorite team in the world and correctly crossed them off two weeks ago, and they wound up last in the division and went out in a tanking blaze of glory. I was so right about this team. <laughs> yeah. You had, you had your finger on the pulse, man. You, uh, you knew they were uh, gutless with no fight. And <laughs> knew that Doug yeah. Peterson was a coward. Knew he didn't have it. <laughs> no, but go off. Please, please, please bury the Steelers right now. The Steelers, I called them a paper tiger in the very first time we ever did this. And I stand by it. And they know it. And that's why I believe they have infiltrated the Cleveland Browns organization, uh, given many of them COVID, because they know it's the only chance they have of winning uh, this weekend. 
And I think it's disgraceful. I think it's classic Steelers behavior. It's the kind of stuff that Steelers get away with somehow. But I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Browns are going to stand up and fight back. And it's going to be a very kind of cinematic Star Wars rebellion against the evil empire moment for uh, for Midwesterners and Americans everywhere. Who all is on the COVID list for the Browns? Like who who may not play? It's it's a lot of people. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Browns players currently on reserve. They're guard, basically guards, safeties, a lot of members of the secondary. Denzel Ward oh. is uh, gonna miss it. Catterell uh, Hodge. Um, like they've got like eight guys who are gonna miss time. Um, in addition to, I mean, they tackle Jack Conklin who was just today voted to the first-team All-Pro AP team. Uh, I think he's going to miss time as well. So they are definitely, definitely understaffed. But I just, uh, I have have to stick. I I don't hate the Steelers as much as it might sound, but I have to stick with it at this point, I think. I just like the Cleveland vibe. I like what they're doing. They have been really hot while Pittsburgh has been really cold. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stick with them. Yeah. And you know, it's, I totally understand where the NFL is coming from, where the Browns have to play their first round playoff game uh, down half their coaching staff and eight starters, but the Steelers Ravens fourth week regular season game can be delayed by two weeks for good. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> real rapper talking through like, how is this happening and why is it happening this way? Like it's too, I, it's I too can't familiar, defend it. Man. I can't defend it. I I'm with you, man. I think I, y- you're turning me into a Steelers hater, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Cause I don't think you actually hate the Steelers at all. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I, I really don't care, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a Supreme injustice. And I, I do think, I mean, undefeated talk of you know 16 and 0 dropping all the way to the third seed before the end of the year that's serious paper tiger stuff right there and you know like i i you know what i'm picking the browns too that's my upset alert too Um, i was (laughs) i was i didn't have the i didn't have the confidence to do it uh i was talking to Williams earlier and I was like the COVID stuff like I don't know man but the rest of the AFC just doesn't seem that upset potential to me I think the Bills are too hot even though the Colts are good I think that's a pretty easy win for the higher seeded team and I think uh, the Ravens and Titans are pretty evenly matched Um, it's hard to even pick one side like who would be the upset in that scenario you know um I it's got to be Browns. It's got to be the COVID Browns beating both, uh, you know, biology and Mike Tomlin to get to the, <laughs> to get to the divisional round. Uh, yeah. So how about, how about Super Bowl? Who do you think from the AFC side is going to make it all the way? I got to say, I love the Buffalo bills. Um, I think I've said before that you and I would probably be bills fans. If that yeah. East didn't exist. And I just, I just stand by it. I love their got a scrappy team. Sean McDermott, good coach. Uh, Josh Allen, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, they've just put together a really nice squad, and I'd love to see them break 
you know, the old Bills curse and actually actually win one. It's time. Yeah. So I want them to. I'm picking them to. They're they're my team. Uh, I probably want them to as well, but I think the Chiefs are going to represent. Um, I think they're too good. I think they're certified, trademarked, too good. You know, uppercase, too good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, I think this, I think the regular season for them was a very much like a Warriors style three peat regular season. You know, where they were kind of had the foot half on the gas the entire way. knowing that they were prepping for the playoffs and they still got the one seed, you know, like I just, they're very good. I'm very honestly, like this could be one of those years with the way the bracket falls that the divisional round is more like the championship game, you know, where we get bills chiefs and that's pretty much the consensus. You're walking into the super bowl team for the AFC side. And it's kind of like a, you know, like they'll make a drama out of it in the championship game, but we all know it's the winner of that game that's moving on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it on the AFC side. Um, I do. This is one other take I have. I, I really, one thing that irks me about Sean McDermott is I really don't like that Philly is skirting their come to Jesus moment about him as a coach when they basically ran him out of town as defensive coordinator um, and then now it's like, oh, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good fit. And I'm really happy for him now. I feel like that's such a coward take yeah. to have about a dude that you would not stop writing pieces and blog posts and tweets about, about how he's a dunce. He, he, he's overcomplicated. He, 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 you know, his boots are too small to fit inside Jim Johnson's shoes. We literally ran the dude out of town. You know, and now it's like we're playing like the oh, it just didn't work out here card. Come on, the dude's a stud coach, um, and we were we were we mishandled him completely, and then hired an offensive line coach in his place. Juan Castillo, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, like. <laughs> uh, Do you think that Philly fans have like changed? Like that's I, I was kind of thinking this after the the last game, but like I think without the Super Bowl. Philly fans are not this defensive of their team, but maybe it's a combination of winning the Super Bowl and feeling like, therefore, like you got it right or something. Plus, like the process sixer fan mentality, which has always been very like us against the world, like we're playing a different kind of game. It just, and maybe it's because I just don't live there anymore and I don't really have my finger on the pulse. Like, but it just feels like it's not the the Philly culture that I grew up with. Yeah, I do think it's changing a bit. I think, I mean, I also think it's generational, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, there's more people like me, you know? <laughs> it Basically, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I do think, especially more people like me with that mentality, and we won a Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. Where I... A lot more of like the Eagles are bad is like, oh, this is so depressing and not like I'm going to burn down like Broad Street. <laughs> right. right. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> kill my whole family and <laughs> live a life of despair for Exactly. <laughs> I guess it's healthier. Yeah, I, I do think we're improving. It's yeah. still it's still batshit. Like we're still insane. <laughs> it just it's expressing itself a little bit differently, you know? Um <laughs> But yeah, all right, switching to the NFC side. 
Uh, we already gave our uh, Bucks Washington pick. I don't think maybe if we had to put an upset alert on something, I, I think that may be the upset alert because I'm with you. I do think Washington has a chance to win that game, but let's let's scrap that. Is there is there a, an upset in the uh, in the Seahawks Rams the three versus six seed and the Saints Bears the two versus seven seed? Uh, that you can see here, and we also got the Packers hanging out the one seed in the in the mix as well for next week. Uh, I don't really love besides the Washington game. I don't think the Bears have much of a chance against the Saints here. I think the Saints are just too good, too disciplined. Um, and the Seahawks Rams game, I kind of, I'm not really super impressed with either team and i feel i think it'd be disingenuous for me to give upset material on both i'm gonna I, i'm just gonna double down on the washington double one. down that's, that's my interesting game of the week i'm with you i gotta say that if i had to say one of the other two um i would probably say the rams have a very interesting opportunity at the six seed to knock knock off a divisional rival in the three seed the seahawks are a weird team to me this year um but I do think they're they're rounding out into a harder team to beat, like as a team, top to bottom. Like their their first half of their season was defined by pretty bad defense and just Russell Wilson chucking balls into space and having Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf run under them, you know. Um, yeah. And then halfway through the year, they completely shifted away from that and kind of became a Russ legs and run first team with. A, a vastly improved defense and it kind of looks more like the old legion of boom teams over the down the stretch than this kind of like air raid type team <laughs> from the first half of the year um but i i think that ultimately i still like the seahawks to win that game but i i do think mcveigh and the rams as much as i don't think that'll ever be a super bowl winning combination i do think they got enough juice and creativity against a divisional team to get one win um when they need it, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I'm with you on the Bears Saints side. I don't like the Saints as much as you do as a team. I don't think they're, I don't think they're as mentally disciplined as you're probably saying they are in general. <laughs> um, but I, I think the Bears are too bad. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I see the Saints probably winning a convincing and narrative building game the first week and then just getting trounced by the Packers in, in Lambo. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Uh, um so yeah, I mean who's your pick to make it on the NFC side? I do I do really like the Packers this year. They've just been uh, I, I'm a big believer in teams kind of growing into the playoffs and looking better as the year goes on. Those tend to be the teams that that make waves um, for the Super Bowl contenders, and I think Green Bay has just done. They just look tough, man. They that that offense is something else. Aaron Rodgers clearly kind of having a little bit of a of a renaissance. So I, I gotta I gotta go chalk here and go Green Bay. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I think I gotta pick Green Bay just. Uh, on the balance of things, but I, I do think the NFC side of the bracket is a little bit more open. And I think in general, it's a little bit weaker than the two strongest teams on the AFC side, you know? So I, I do like the Packers a lot, but I do think there's, there's weaknesses in their game that maybe the bills or chiefs don't have um, top to bottom. 
So if, if a team from the opposite side of the bracket gets hot, like let's say the Seahawks, or I don't, I don't really think the Bucks or even Washington, but let's say the Seahawks or Rams get hot, I could see that being a more compelling championship game than what we end up getting served on the on the uh, on the AFC side. If you're if I'm going to pick like one side to have like the number one seed not make it, um, I would say it's probably more likely to be the NFC. Um, but I know you inherently disagree because you picked the Bills um, on the yeah. NFC side, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, sounds like it's a, it's a Packers-NFC side, we're thinking, and then either a Bills or Chiefs. Let, since we disagree on on who's representing the AFC, do you want to just pick which... Uh, I, I, think, I think we agree, but which conference we think we're going to win? <laughs> win it all? Yeah, I think it's going to be the AFC no matter what. Like, if it's the yeah. Chiefs or Bills, like, I think they're the consensus favorites walking in no matter who the NFC team is. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think the AFC just has shown sharper uh, competition consistently this year and have yeah more likelihood of, of stepping up. And even if it is an upset situation and, and we're completely wrong by the end um, on the AFC side, I, it'd be hard to bet against an, a hot enough, surprise AFC team that was able to knock off either the chiefs or the bills than the opposite on the NFC side, you know? Yeah. Um, my only, uh, my only amendment would be if it's the Steelers, I don't care if the Steelers beat the 85 bears. (laughs) They are losing (laughs) to the NFC team. Yeah. Yeah. They're not real. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, we will keep the pods going throughout the playoffs. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about um, as the playoffs go on, especially if Washington can get this Williams predicted win uh, this next week. But um, if this is Washington's last game, we'll wrap it up next week as well and start looking towards the off season. Uh, no, either way, I'll talk to you next week, buddy. As a reminder, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe if you are not already. We need those subscriber numbers and those positive ratings so that other people can find out about the show. And also, you get the show automatically every week if you subscribe. So, I mean, what's stopping you if you're enjoying what you're what you're listening to? Um, also, if you have anything you would like to give to us, feedback, any sort of... Uh, uh, submissions of any kind your way to get in touch with us is nfc least mailbag at gmail.com and one last bit uh i just want to say rest in peace to mf doom um, mf doom is a rapper it was uh, announced this past week that he actually passed away earlier this year he's one half of the producer rapper duo mad villain um who we've lovingly sampled in the outro of this pod so without further ado Bye. Thank you, MF Doom. Thank you, listeners. Here is the outro. Thank you.